Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first lesson today comes from the 23rd Psalms. I encourage everyone, whether here or at home, to open their Bibles and follow along as we listen for the word of the Lord. The Divine Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is indeed the good shepherd. John 10, 1 through 10. These are familiar words, and yet God is speaking to us anew today. Let's open ourselves to hear the shepherd's voice. John 10, 1 through 10, listen again with fresh ears. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So familiar words, both of these texts, the 23rd Psalm and the Good Shepherd passage. I got it, preacher? 
Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Takes care of us, gives us what we need. Check. Hallelujah. Amen. But there's more. There's always more. Even to the most familiar passages, God speaks when we stop and we look and we immerse ourselves. So let's take a look a little bit closer. Just again, bird's eye view. Christ in the book of John uses I am to convey again and again and again what he is in different ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living bread. I am the living water. And in this case, I am the good shepherd. He starts by talking about the simple understanding of sheep and shepherd. Traditional understanding of kings and prophets and the way that those in, in power and authority are supposed to take care of those under their rule and guidance. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd. The one who enters by the gate. Who doesn't come in by the gate? Who's trying to sneak in the sides? Who's trying to climb over that fold that they're talking about? It's the bandits. It's the thieves. It's the ones that are a threat to the flock, to the sheep. The sheepfold is where they go at night after they've been out in the pasture all day and they have to worry about predators at night. Sometimes it's a makeshift pen that they make from bushes and things. And sometimes there would be a stone wall with or without the gate in the front. That is where the shepherd protection is so important. Jesus is saying, I am that gate. I won't let anything get to you. I won't let you get out even if you want to because I know what's best for you. And from the sides come these predators that seek to do you harm. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and destroy. And he further differentiates himself and says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So first of all, we know we always hit this when we hit our good shepherd passages. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd. The only way that that happens is that the sheep spend enough time in the presence of their shepherd. Think about in class, back to your school days. You knew the voice of your teacher because you heard it every day. And then you had a substitute teacher and you didn't listen to that voice. God bless the substitutes. But it's not one you were familiar with. In order for us to hear the voice and be able to separate it from so many other voices that are seeking to claim you and guide you, we have to spend enough time with Christ to know his voice. Another example. A few weeks ago, we had the documentary here at the river about pastors in civil rights era who stood up for equality despite those uh, forces that were working against them. 
Well, Vicky did a couple commercials that aired on, on television. So that Saturday, the day before, we were at a chicken wing place picking up our order to go when all of a sudden I hear Vicky's voice, except I'm looking at Vicky and she's not talking. And up in the corner, and it was a small space, there was a television and the commercial was on. But I knew that voice, why? Because I hear it every day, which is a neutral statement. <laughs> hear me, friends. She would say the same of me, why? Because we live in the same place, we hear each other's voice on a regular basis. I didn't see it, I didn't know it was there, but as soon as I heard it, I knew whose voice that was. It's the same with Christ. We cannot know Christ's voice apart from the mess and the voices that would seek to manipulate you and fill you in ways that are not for your well-being unless we are spending time with our good shepherd. How do you do that? Well, preacher, I don't know. I'm giving it a shot. The Bible thing's kind of tough. Yes. If you can't and if you're in some kind of lull or you're stuck in a rut, try something different. There are a thousand different ways to read scripture, to pray together and in groups, to serve, to be a part of this church family, to be a disciple in the world. Do not give in because you have to do, try something different. When we stop growing, when we stop seeking Christ, we start to diminish in our faith. And we cannot know the voice of the shepherd. We can help you with that. But do not give up and say, well, I've tried and, and I, I don't hear Christ in my life. I don't hear the voice. Ask yourself what you're trying to do to discern that or to make time for the shepherd. Sheep knew the shepherd because they spent time with him. So I challenge you first to do that same. Same thing with the good shepherd. In order to know that Christ is the good shepherd apart from the bad shepherds, and that's what Christ essentially is saying, there are thieves and bandits that are coming for you who will claim to be in your best interest. We generally call this advertising. It's not all bad. We assign value to it. But their job is to tell you how you are incomplete unless you buy their thing. And their thing will make you whole finally. If you just get the right supplements, never be sick again. If you just get the right car, then you'll never have to worry again. Do you have in your garage, like I do, a corner for misplaced faith items just in the exercise realm? Over time, I had one of those little things that did that. I had one that was a little plastic. You just would twist. It's just a little plastic rectangle. I did this for hours. Nothing. No help. And on and on. Because they sell you. If you just do that, it's so easy. 37 seconds a day and you will have abs of steel. You will never be sick. 37 seconds a day, I'll buy two. Those are bad shepherds. 
because they're telling you you're not complete without their product and with your product, you will be made whole. That is nonsense. And there are things out there that can help you, but there's nothing that you can snap that is gonna make everything perfect. Although I wish it was so. The bad shepherds we see on social media, if only you were as good as my family. <laughs> I will take a picture when we're on the mountaintop at the beach, when we're at Disney. What you will not see is that we were, our family was just about at blows with one another before that picture and after that picture. Nobody wants to do the same thing. Everybody wants something different. One of the children just screamed, I hate you! Smile for the selfie. It's a false reality, although it's okay to share our love and joy with friends if we're not consumed by the fact that, well, they're there, I'm a bad parent because we're not there. That's bad shepherding and bad voices in our head. We, we know the bad shepherds and they will lull you and they will woo you. And they will say, friends, this Christian business, come on. Look at all that God asks of you. Look at all the sacrifices and the time and the energy that you are expected to give. Come over here, buy my thing. I can do it so much quicker. Come over here, let me engage the sin for which you are predisposed and you do not feel bad, embrace it because that's a part of who you are and flourish and quit worrying about the guilt of this God claiming to love you. A lot of our culture caters to that. We have to be strong enough and wise enough to know when those voices are for our detriment and harm. A lot of the time it's because it makes things so much easier. And we can engage again in those things that separate us from the path. You want an easy definition of sin? That may be one of many, but is what you're doing bring you closer to God or separate you from God? Simple as that. If it separates you from God, we put it in the sin category. If it brings you closer to God, then it's not. Yes, there, there's a lot of nuance to that. But our job is to figure out the voice of the good shepherd and to identify the bad shepherds that may be leading us astray. And again, it is so much lulling, telling you you'll be complete if you only abandon the shepherd and follow this path that will lead to our own self-destruction and we will go with a smile because we are all into temporary self-satisfaction. The end of this passage, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Does that sound like any of what those bad shepherds are saying about the Christian faith? Because it is not. Christian faith should not be seen as this obligatory blanket of guilt. This blanket of gray, sad judgment. You're never good enough. You're always bad. That is a horrible way to live 
and to seek to be in a relationship with Christ. So too is living only in fear of judgment from God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's a part of our faith, but so too is God's love, grace, and desire through, for us to be made whole through the risen Christ. Life and life abundantly. What does it mean to have life abundantly? Well, that sounds different than the model of scarcity that we often work with within the church. If only we had more people, Pastor. If only more money, then we would not be worried. How, how many more till we're not worried anymore? Is it 50? Is it 100? Is it another 1,000? Because we all know what happens. We get there and then guess what? It takes more money to keep up all those people that are going on and we need to continue on the hamster wheel to keep it going. You know, when you get a raise, if you say to yourself, ah, I just had 3%, just 3% this year, it'll put me over the edge and I'll be comfortable. I won't be struggling, won't be paycheck to paycheck. You get your three or your 10%, whatever it is. And what do you do? You go out and buy something else. Something else you have to maintain. Something else then that you say, ah, oh, you fill you fill that raise with stuff. And then, ah, oh, just one more, one more preacher. You get the next one. Ah, oh, bought a boat. <laughs> Great. Good for you. Invite me. I would love to come. But then you got to take care of that boat. You got to find a place to house it. You got to figure out what's going to happen when it, it doesn't go right. And as soon as we keep growing, we keep asking for the next level and we get there and it's never enough because we expand up into it. Life abundant is not about the stuff. Life abundant is about the who, about the shepherd. I know sometimes when we go on mission trips or we go to places where we would consider people to be in poverty and don't have things or stuff, we are amazed at them and they are amazed at us. We look at them and we think, gosh, how can you believe in God? You have nothing. And they look at us and they say, gosh, how can you believe in God? You have everything. But all of that is faulty assumption and presupposition because that means that faith and blessing are contingent upon stuff. It's not about our stuff, what we have and what we don't have. That's the gospel prosperity and that is harmful and destructive. The poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich are all entitled to life abundant from the risen Christ. And it is not about the stuff. What then makes life abundant? I will share with you what I think. What is the purpose of our life that allows us to live life abundant? Jesus says to the lawyer who says, which commandment is the most important? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, the greatest and first commandment, and he throws a bogo in, two, you only ask for one, you get two, that's abundance, two. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Easy, we know that, that's Christianity 101. 
But I also think this is our mission statement for how we live life abundantly. Do we and how do we love God essentially with all that we are? That makes a difference on our ability to understand our purpose for why we're here. Second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, we know that. Easier said than done. Bumper stickers, slogans, and and these little verses are often in that way. But when you go to seek that, we see the difficulty of that. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm guessing we all love ourselves pretty well. Even when we often are our worst critics, often when we say, come on, why did you do that? To ourselves. Our context for living starts with who we are. That's our context. We are ourselves. Do we put ourselves in harm's way? Not willingly. Unless you are a first responder, military. God bless them all for their service. But we seek to take care of ourselves. When we get hungry, do we allow ourselves not to eat? No. If we find ourselves exposed without housing or shelter, do we allow ourselves to stay in that state? No. If we were denied medicine, how do we go to seek to find that for ourselves? We find a way. But the question then simply is, Our neighbors are struggling without those things. Why is that okay? Are we loving them as we love ourselves? We are not. Is it loving your neighbor to say, we don't invite you or your kind into our church? Would you do that to yourself? Would you say, I'm a sinful person, therefore I'm not welcome at church? I hope not. Would you say, because you're different than perceived rest of the church family is, I'm not going, no. All are welcome at this church. Come, try us. When we put conditions on access to the table, to the font, to the glory of the risen Christ, we are starting to be those Pharisees that Jesus spoke against in the New Testament. Listen to the rest of that passage. I started in Mark twenty-two thirty-seven. After Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your might, heart, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Drop the mic, kaboom. He says, all that you have heard is subordinate to what I just said. All those laws that have to do with mixed blend clothing and eating shellfish and the right dimensions of my beard, plus others, all pale in comparison to love the Lord your God and love one another as yourself. It's not my interpretation. I'll say it again. Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of the law, all the way back to Leviticus. Leviticus, I don't want to talk about Leviticus. But Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. That's where it starts. It's peppered all the way through scripture, Old and New Testament. 
All the law hangs on that understanding. Love God, love one another. And all the prophets, are you saying, preacher and Jesus, that this is more important than what Abraham said and Moses and David and Isaiah and all the prophets? I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. All the law and the prophets hang on this. This is our mission statement. This is what it means, I believe, to live life abundantly. It is why we are here. It is our purpose to love God and to love one another as ourselves. The youngest child to the oldest of adults, the most physically able to the most physically challenged, can love God with all they are and love their neighbor as themselves. This is what yields abundance. This is what Christ came to give us. This is what scripture reinforces again and again and again. So let us spend enough time with Christ to recognize his voice from the rest. Let us spend enough time with Christ so that we understand he is the good shepherd and identify the bad shepherds that would pull us away to our own destruction. And let us realize what abundant life is. It is loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbor as ourself. And I challenge you to find new ways to do both of those this week. I don't need you to keep adding things. Preacher always tell me to do more, do more, do more. Switch things out. If you're in a rut, if you're not quite there, if you can't listen, if discernment is difficult, try a new path. We will help you with that. Help one another with that. We do not stop learning and growing. That is an innate part of our discipleship. So let us go together and live life abundantly this and every day. Hallelujah. Amen.